It's Bigfoot Collectors Club with Bryce and Michael. I know a ghost story or two. Let's do this. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Bigfoot Collectors Club. I am your host, Michael McMillan, and with me usually is your co-host, Bryce Johnson. But unfortunately, in an unprecedented <laughs> clubhouse event, uh, Bryce could not be here today. Everything's cool. Uh, just some stuff came up and he could not make it. I swear to you, this is not the beginning of a clubhouse breakup. Uh, instead, though, we have our trusty sound designer and engineer, Riley Bray, sitting in the co-host chair to fill in for Bryce today. Hi, Riley. Hey, how's it going? Hi, hey, everybody. Hey, there's those smooth, dulcet tones <laughs> that we <laughs> never hear because you're just listening and giving thumbs up all the time. Mostly thumbs up. Hey, we really appreciate ideally. your support and your hard work. Oh, well, thank I'm gonna you. I'm going to thank you up top and the end of the show. Not I like you, it. This I've, I've moved up and waiting in the wings. I know. You know, it's funny because I feel like more recently you've been making vocal appearances on the show. Just little ones. Now I think you've fully made a coup. <laughs> this has been my plan <laughs> yeah. all along. I'll build the clubhouse. It is your place. Um, also with us today is a very special guest. He is a science fiction writer and a comic book author. Uh, you may know his work from uh, recent DC Comics. Uh, he did just did a two-issue arc on Flash, or The Flash, depending on how you like to approach your super speedster. Um, and he's written for Superman. He has a new book coming up from Vault called Wasted Space. And he has just published uh, a really great uh, science fiction book called Black Star Renegades. Everybody, please put your hands together for Michael Marisi. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. Glad What's to be up, here. What's up, dude? Nothing, nothing. So you're in town from Chicago right now. I am to promote yeah. your new book. Yeah, yeah. One day only. Very limited engagement. <laughs> <laughs> that makes you sound like a very busy, popular guy. I have wife, kids. Well, okay. <laughs> so minus the popular. So you're saying they're? <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say they were your number one fans. They are, they are. There's been a lot of, my six-year-old's been making a lot of Black Star Renegades fan fiction. Oh, that's so awesome. So yeah. wait, real quick, because we'll get into it, uh, but what's the book about? So Black Star Renegades is a space adventure in the spirit of uh, Star Wars or Guardians of the Galaxy, Flash Gordon, stuff like that. Uh, it is about a young guy named Cade who comes in possession of a super powerful weapon, kind of like, you know, Arthurian legend. And he Like is a gun. The super gun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he comes, There's a lot of guns in Arthurian legend. <laughs> he finds an Uzi. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I'm gonna start some shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, no, no, it's a, it's a like more of a more of a laser sword. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, this is beginning to sound a little familiar. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, no, he's the uh, and he's like the the last person that should have it. He's the absolute wrong choice. Uh, but if he doesn't figure out what to do with it, then you know the evil. Kingdom, right? Not empire, kingdom. Right. Yes. will take There's over the galaxy. There's a difference. <laughs> one has an emperor. One has a king. Exactly. I'm reading See? it right now, and I'm really enjoying it. Oh, thanks. And I kind of thought, oh, this is cool. It's almost as if in Star Wars, Han Solo would have ended up with the Force instead of Luke Skywalker. It's a loose. I mean, that's a very loose interpretation. But I kind of, I was like, once I saw what you're doing, I was like, I don't know where it's going yet. I'm only three chapters in. I just started reading it, but it, it I kind of like that take that the guy that you don't think should have it has it. I right. mean, Hansel is a good guy. Yeah, he's fine. 
<laughs> but I was just trying to find an analogy for it. But no, uh, the other guy. Yeah, the other guy. The yeah. other guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it's great. Uh, so congratulations. That's awesome. Oh, thanks. Um, so you were obviously a science fiction fan, fantasy fan. What kind of stuff did you grow up reading and uh, devouring? Um, you know, a lot of it, you know, probably, we'll probably talk about this a lot, but Star Wars, you know, uh, the movies when I was young, then I graduated to the Zahn novels start coming out when I was like 10. So it was the like Timothy uh, Zahn, Thrawn. heir to the tr- trilogy or heir to the trilogy. I mean, it essentially <laughs> he, was. He was the heir to the trilogy. For a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Until, the heir to the temp. Uh, God damn. This is what happens. I'm just concerned that Bryce isn't here and he hates us now. I can't talk anymore. We can edit this out, but we probably won't. Do not. (laughs) No. Uh, The Heir to the Empire trilogy, the Thrawn trilogy. Yeah, exactly. That was big. I read that in high school. I was like, this is great. Yeah. Finally making episodes seven, eight, and nine. Yeah, that's what it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's like always lived in my head to, to be the continuation then. Many, many more books, many more Star Wars books followed. Yeah. Um, and you've written for Luke or uh, StarWars.com, right? Haven't yeah. you? Mm-hmm. And you've written pieces on Star Wars for Tor.com. And yeah. Or am I mixing those websites up? Nope. No, I, I do both. I do all the stuff, like all like the straight news I do at StarWars.com, then the opinions go right. on Tor. <laughs> right, exactly. The fan rants go yeah. on Tor. Yeah, exactly. So were you excited or disappointed when Disney took over? I mean, no one's going to listen to this from Lucasfilm, so you don't have to worry. <laughs> but when Disney bought it and they were throwing out the old EU, the extended universe, to make way for new stories and a new canon, uh, how did you feel about that? Were you excited or were you bummed? Uh, a little of both because like on one hand I was bummed because there's a lot of great stories in there. But on the other hand, I was like, I get it because there's a lot of stories that weren't great. Yeah. (laughs) And if they, by episode seven, Chewbacca was dead, would be dead based on the canon. Luke and Leia would have already had three kids, one of whom had already turned to the dark side and died. Right. I think by 30 years after the timeline. Riley, did you ever get into any of the extended universe, the old Star Wars canon? Or were you too cool? Oh, really? I was not cool. Oh, really? (laughs) No, very much not cool. You're fooling everybody, man. It's an all wrong idea. Smoke and mirrors here. It's a full charade. The yeah. voice throws you. It's just a very cool voice. Just, I mean, I you look like a real right rock and roller, dude. Well, I found that later, you know. But right. uh, I definitely grew up on the on the nerd side of life. Maybe for this episode, we'll post a picture of you oh, when you were a kid. We'll put it up on Instagram <laughs> and see what, and we'll let the audience vote what a nerd you were. Okay, fair. So, did you ever read the Thrawn trilogy? I didn't get that far. Oh. No, I was more of like a like a Philip K. Dick. Kurt, oh yeah, Kurt Vonnegut kind of. Oh yeah, yeah, as far yeah, yeah. as the sci-fi reading, well, Kurt Vonnegut's a little borderline right. sci-fi, but well, fantasy is. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I didn't go that deep on Star Wars. I was also more of a Lord of the Rings, mm. oh yeah, kind of totally. person. That kind of nerd, yeah, real that, Middle Earth nerd. Yeah, yeah. I was like, <laughs> it's like the, the, the crunchy sort of granola nerd, yeah. not the space nerd. I remember when I first read uh, the Lord of the Rings as a kid. I had just read The Hobbit, and then I tried to read Lord of the Rings, and I got freaked out by the Ring Wraiths. Uh, oh, yeah. That stuff really freaked me out. And then I got really bored by all the dwarf songs. So <laughs> I never read, I never actually read, this is a confession, I never got through the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy until the movies came out. And then yeah. I watched the movies, and I loved them, so I finally went back and, and read the original 
Fair enough. Works, but uh, never too late. I'm a little ashamed <laughs> to admit that. This is safe. And this I'm is all. Safe place. I think I like the movies more. <laughs> I like the movies way more. Yeah, I mean, I think Tolkien. Listen, ooh, in trouble. <laughs> I mean, when it comes to world building and just epic storytelling, obviously no one comes close. But I do think his writing drags a little bit. There's a lot, a lot of dwarf songs. Yeah, I, I prefer the structure of the Hobbit. Which the st- the Hobbit was like nailed it. The Hobbit was yeah. just like a straight adventure. Yeah, and then and when like it, more of a kid's book. And yeah, if you think that the you should now check- the Hobbit, I like the book more than the movies. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you ever look into the Cimmerillion, the prehistory? Oh, <laughs> I own it. I own it. It's on my shelf. Every now and then I crack it, and then I close it, and I run to the other end of the room. It's like reading the beginning of the Bible, like the right. begat, begat, begat sort yep. of things. It's just like all right. Yeah, a lot. I think there's like like if there's two point seven million copies sold, there's like. 17 copies read. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds about accurate. (laughs) So with all this fantasy and science fiction growing up, did you ever have an attraction, romantic or otherwise, (laughs) let's be honest, to the paranormal? I did, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was a huge X-Files fan. My first, uh, like my, I guess you can say like my breakout quote-unquote breakout because i don't know if that's even happened yet but yeah uh, was hoax hunters which was like basically myth butters oh. mythbusters meets x-files oh nice cool. yeah. oh that's cool so and what's yeah. that i haven't heard of this that is hoax hunters it was a series of uh it was with image for like this 15 something issues you wrote yeah yeah that's yeah myself awesome. and uh steve seeley oh dude i should have known that before uh i thought that was on the show i thought we were getting no yeah. <laughs> uh well, that's so cool. Yeah, I guess we should tell everybody how we actually know each other. We yeah. met during uh, the DC New Talent sh- Showcase Talent Workshop. What was it called? We basically went through a uh, program at DC Comics together, yeah. and right. we've only known each other as little squares over Skype. Yeah. And now we're meeting for the first time. So exactly. uh, you've done a little bit of writing for DC. I've done a very little bit of writing <laughs> for DC since then. I think my writing just have to be like some, like basically our writing is all in drawers. And they don't right. know they don't know which what is in what drawer. And they open up mine. They're like, oh, there's, it's, uh, it's Mauricio's. Okay, let's throw it in. Yeah. Let's, let's press print and shove it out into the doors. That's nice. I got to get some more stuff in those drawers. <laughs> well, we're still in the DC family, and you know what? You might see some more work from us in the near future. Who knows? Maybe. Um. So, uh, <laughs> X-Files. And so, uh, Hoaxbusters. Hoaxbusters? Uh, Hoax Hunters. Hunters, yeah. sorry. What topics did you cover in that comic book? Like, um, what, what, what hoaxes did you uh, hunt? We did... The Jersey Devil. Yeah. Um, we did, um, oh gosh, what's the, I'm drawing on it, lacking the name, uh, the, the Wisconsin one um, uh, with the gnomes. Um, the Goblin? No. Not the Hopkinsville. That's Kentucky. No, the the Haunchyville. Oh, wait a minute. I don't know if I know about this. Yeah, Haunchyville is like um, like kind of woodland kind of monsters. It's a little vague, but like, okay. so we went with that. Uh, that was, uh, that was one of the arcs that we did. We did, uh, gosh, what was the, uh, what was the first? I said Jersey Devil, yeah. uh, Mothman, uh, Mothman, Mothman. Yeah. We haven't I done him appearance. on the show yet. He's definitely coming up soon. He's a heavy hitter. Yeah. Mothman's a tough one. Yeah. We, we use, we use Mothman very limited. Very right. Limited, uh, Mothman tends to overshadow everything that he's in. He's uh, a <laughs> commanding presence. <laughs> exactly. That's awesome. So have you ever had any paranormal experiences yourself? 
Sort of. Okay. That's sort of. a start. That's where <laughs> it takes them. Yeah. Take from there. That's a little crack in the eggshell. We're going to make an omelet out of this. <laughs> I'm going to be crying by the end yeah. of the show. <laughs> well, what, tell us what happened. So it's weird because, like, you know, I have such a specific memory of this, but it's so, like, kind of like a, a non uh, Climatic thing that happened. Okay. So basically, they tend was, to be. That's the thing is a lot of these stories frustratingly have no endings to them. The the sighting will happen. Right. People will encounter it, and then you never get any answers, which is why they're so appealing in yeah, the that, first place. That's what makes them intriguing. Yeah, is that they aren't explainable. You yeah. can't just put a bow on it and that is say, this true. is what that was. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. it was a ghost for sure, hundred like, percent. So you don't you don't know. And we what caught it. To me then you don't yeah. know. <laughs> no, I, not, <laughs> not yet. That's why. No. <laughs> I thought yeah, you guys gonna have answers. <laughs> Well, let's hear about it and we'll find out. <laughs> so basically, it was one night. I spent a lot of um, uh, time with my, my uncle's place. He had two boys that were right around the same age as me, my cousins. And uh, I was you know, going to bed one night. And you're and about how old right now? Mm-hmm. I mean, not right now, but <laughs> in the story right now. Uh, I was probably like nine, okay. somewhere around there. So, um, and this happened recurring, like at his house. I never would see this at my house. Every time I'd go to sleep. And I would see this like apparition, ghost, you know, whatever, like standing in the doorway. And it was like this, like this, like looked like an almost like an old timey carnival person. Whoa! Like had a beard, and it was like kind of like a tannish sepia kind of yep. color. Yeah. And um, never said anything, just like scared shit. I mean, I'd close my eyes and I'd open them up, and he'd still be there, just standing in the hallway. Whoa! And then, oh my god! Yeah, and it happened every time I went there. Wait, like I'd what? spend the night. Yeah. How many times would you say in total? Uh, I don't know, five or six, probably. Wow. Yeah. And Did you talk never to him about house. this or talk to he adults like a, about it? No, yeah. no. You never brought it up with anybody in the house? No, never. Are you sure? They're <laughs> I just... think this is the first time I've actually even talked about what? this. What? Yeah. Right. Oh, wow. This has just been waiting to come out. Mm-hmm. Let us know if you need any tissue. <laughs> I might. Maybe there was like an old carnival barker living in the basement that you didn't know about. It was coming up for a nice glass of milk. The Maurices do have a rich carny folk history. Do they really? No. Oh man, I would have been so excited. <laughs> <laughs> but so wait, when you, when you say he looks like a carnival guy, what do you mean? How was he dressed? Like in a different from a different era? Different era. Looked like almost like a 1920s, almost like okay. like kind of more of a vintage uh, carnival, uh, like kind of like a. You know that kind of uh, I don't know I don't say huckster but like that yeah, kind yeah, of, yeah. that kind of get up you right know? I can't it's hard to describe. Did he have t- a coat with tails like a yes yes yeah yeah okay. yeah. yeah and he had like high waisted like pleated curly, pants yeah probably curly yeah. beard you know like it was uh like a like not like a grizzlyish beard but like a really nice grooms look like soft right you know curly white beard. Okay. Did, did and he a have hat, kind of cowboyish hat? Did he have like an emotional presence to him? Was he scary? Was he sad? Was he foreboding? No, he... frightening. Very Fright- frightening. frightening. Yeah. Was he just demanding more and more absinthe? Because <laughs> 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 that's all I think of when I think of old timey guys. Just how <laughs> much absinthe they can drink before they go crazy and die. <laughs> that's really weird. So you have no idea. What was the history of the house? Do you know? Was it a was it an old house? No, no, just a suburban. Um, Whoa, you know what they call it? I don't know. It's like one and a half level. What's that called? Uh, like ranch a house. split level. Oh, okay, like, like a, a ranch, ranch house. house. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I wonder this. That's weird because we we've brought this book up on the show before, but that sounds like almost like Pennywise strain, like it, like a thing that doesn't belong in the area that it's from like in it there's just a guy dressed as a clown or a creature that looks like a clown but there's no circus in town 
so I'm wondering why, what the carnival connection is. So out of context, in other words. That's a good point, yeah. I wonder. Maybe there was like an old uh, carnival in that field that the suburban neighborhood was built on that like burnt down maybe he drank so much absinthe <laughs> that he knocked over an oil lamp and the, the carnival. killed everybody the carnival equivalent of the indian burial ground situation yeah exactly yeah. Gotcha. I, I say get under the floorboard start digging get a shovel go on see what's under there the carny burial ground oh yeah there is just skeletons of sideshow freaks underneath that swimming pool oh, wouldn't it be cool if we found like a skeleton of conjoined twins I mean, it's a, it exists. I mean, maybe not under the swimming pool at your uncle's house. But <laughs> actually, I think if we found a skeleton of conjoined twins, would be the furthest thing from cool. <laughs> some questions for your uncle. Yeah. <laughs> These are fresh. Yeah, and then you go into his closet and find a fake white beard and a coat with tails. That's so weird. That's did you, strange. Did you think it was a ghost at the time when you were a kid? Like, oh, what did totally. you make of it? Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, absolutely. I what, still think so. You still do? Yeah. That was the next question. Yeah, I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. Well, yeah. this is the thing that we tend to ask people who've, um, and we do it in the show when we present our topics of high strangeness, but if you had to trust your gut, your instinct, uh, based on what you experienced, how would you contextualize what you saw? Mm, what do you mean? Like, like, okay, this is what I, th- if I had to write down on paper... Uh, what it is, what I saw, a ghost, what, like, what was it? Yeah, I guess a ghost. I mean, I guess, like, judging by the dress, you know, the, 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 the how he looked, you know, like, how he's groomed and stuff like that, a ghost from, like, some other time that hadn't passed on to wherever we pass on to. Uh, I, I don't know why he would be there. You know, it's just a south suburban, you know, suburb of, of of chicago i heard they have something now called cheetos <laughs> that's worth sticking around for <laughs> this is a nice pantry cheetos haunting the pantry. oreos <laughs> this guy's Sadly, got an appetite trying to ghost eat the same cheeto for years <laughs> still good <laughs> riley did you ever see any old-timey dressed people where they didn't belong no no, I, I wish so badly that I had, but I just, that, there's the one ghost story I told on the Lister Files. That's my only like yeah. real good uh, sort of ghost encounter. I've never really seen an apparition. I was in a strange, it's a, it's part of a larger, weirder story that at some point somewhere I'm going to tell. But uh, a number of years ago, I was staying in a giant, uh, very old farmhouse in upstate New York in, outside Albany. And this place felt like Grand Central Station at night. You just felt like there were so many uh, entities coming in and out of that house. There were a number of us up there um, sleeping in different rooms. But um, I would turn out the light and I'd try to sleep. And it just felt like my room was full of people. It felt so haunted. And I got up in the middle of the night because the bathroom was down the hall. And when you walked out, there was this giant... uh, banister that was like a square shape that looked over to like an atrium in the in the main entryway of the house and as i walked out um and i was bringing my phone with me uh, everywhere because in case i saw something i wanted to take a picture of it and out of the corner of my eye i saw a what looked like a woman with dark hair in a red victorian dress 
walking on the other side. And I turned to look and she was gone, but I snapped a photo. And then when I looked at the picture, there was a glowing orb in the picture Whoa. where I saw saw the woman. But it was literally just out of the corner of my eye and my peripheral vision. But I could see, like, the ruffles and the shimmer of the red. And, like, she had a bow, like, on her back. And she she looked like um, – it was definitely, like, the Victorian era, almost uh, like uh, Scarlett O'Hara, that kind of dress, you know. Yeah. But it was a dark, uh, dark red dress. That's awesome that you had the reflex to snap. Yeah, well, I you I tell you this was I was like on alert the entire time. <laughs> I was like behind my bed with camo and just my camera ready. Just be like something going on here, man. <laughs> it was crazy that that there was a whole, that whole weekend was a weird story, and maybe perhaps Wednesday I'll tell it on this uh, podcast. Um, but uh, yeah, so um, so ghosts you're open to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What about Bigfoot? Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Oh, good. That, we always hear no. It's a lot of no's a on Bigfoot. A lot of no's on Bigfoot. Yeah. Now, Which is kind of funny when you think about it, because you're like, you know, uh, uh, afterlife, wrapping your head around that as opposed yeah. to wrapping your head around mm-hmm. a guy with a lot of hair. Yeah, or just some <laughs> sort of in indigenous <laughs> yeah. uh, bipedal uh, simian that yeah. might live in a deep areas of the forest that we we can't yeah. we haven't really caught like a it's, rare species it's yeah. hard to like you know like it's like i think we forget like like driving here you know we're you guys we're in the canyon you know i'm driving up i'm like i've never seen any of this before in my life like and there's this, this whole thing that didn't exist so the, the idea that's like ha no sir i've seen it all <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. in, the, in the woods that have, is there something in the woods that i don't know about impossible yeah. you know it's like are you kidding me like i didn't know about the canyons in california yeah they're right <laughs> here it's a very i like, mean i think they're fairly well documented and you do live in chicago but i mean but you the, bring the up point a good remains point. Though, yeah the yeah. point remains yeah. i think a lot of people and and having uh, and being someone who's had experiences uh, I really think it comes down to you have to see it to believe it. And yeah. then once you see it and believe it, whatever it is, you then spend a very long period of time trying to wrap your brain around exactly True. what you saw. And then you end up having a podcast where you talk about <laughs> it on a weekly basis. Yeah. Um, so I think people are threatened by Bigfoot, too, because it's another intelligent mammal right. humanoid on this oh, planet. Yeah. So. Right. It, it almost challenges our, uh, I almost said supremacy, but that's like not a good term <laughs> to be, use You right don't want to be a Bigfoot supremacist. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's not good. It's a bad look, really. Man, these Bigfoot, <laughs> they're trying to take my power. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's... Uh, yeah, I it is it a does, little threatening. Yeah. And you're like, oh, wait a minute. We could have been just living off nature this whole time and had big old feet and strong arms. <laughs> yeah. and instead, we're, you know, addicted to our iPhones. Please keep listening to this podcast. <laughs> it's just available it. on iTunes. Yeah, no, it's, it is interesting. I mean, there is that sort of belief that, like, nope, man, it's the dominant species, and he has dominion over the earth, and he can kill and and take over anything that he wants, dominate yeah. the earth any any way he wants. Meanwhile, the cephalopods are just waiting. They're just waiting for <laughs> yes. the moment. They'll be dead any day now. They're coming out. Well, those and the lizard people that live in the hollow earth, they're waiting too. Yeah, I mean, they're yeah. really well. They have their turn actually. Already. They've designed. 
this whole thing to collapse just this way yeah. with the help of the Illuminati, of course. <laughs> um, and then, uh, so Ghost, Bigfoot, what about UFOs? Oh, totally. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That's a slam dunk. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that there could be galaxies out there like the one in your book or in stories like Star Wars or Battlestar Galactica where there's just a whole epic style fantasy going on now i can think and now as you say it all i can think of is like have you ever heard the rap that's like uh some about star wars it looks like the future but it's really the past <laughs> no i haven't <laughs> it's so funny it's it's the bad lip-syncing people oh, who do awesome it. and uh yeah so i think i want to be like michael no that's the past uh, no I, well, I know it is the past but i'm saying it could be out. oh it's our past i get it no, no but maybe it, but it's know. in a galaxy far. it's also the past but it's in a galaxy far far away so like light speed it's like the future or something. Oh, now you're really blowing my <laughs> yeah. mind. I don't know what that sentence meant at all. No, I know what you mean, though, man. Uh, no, but I don't know. I just wonder if, like, other ga- life in other galaxies or even on other planets on this galaxy would even look recognizable to us as life. Yeah, I don't know. That's the I mean, That's the, the interesting question I think we all have. It's, like, the odds of that happening, like, the odds of us happening are so slim mm-hmm. to the odds of us happening again. Oh man! I Again, don't know. but better. Hopefully, maybe <laughs> laser swords. Well, <laughs> laser uh, swords. yeah, <laughs> I know of at least one alien species that visited this planet in 1989, and I'm going to tell you guys all about that hmm. right after this break. Hey guys, Bryce Johnson here. Each week, we post exclusive photos with our guests and great visual aids on Instagram at Bigfoot Collectors Club and on Facebook and Twitter at Bigfoot underscore C Club. Check them out. You don't want to miss them. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, it's time for High Strangeness. Uh, Now, this is a story that I had not actually heard before I started doing research for our episode with uh, Jen Kirkman when we talked about the Solway Firth Spaceman. Um, This is a story, and it's a really strange one, of the Voronezh alien landing. This story takes place in Voronezh, Russia, on September 27, 1989, on the eve of the collapse of the Soviet Union. Now, in 1989, the population of Voronezh was around 800,000, and during the week of September 21st and September 27th, thousands of people across the city had claimed to see strange lights in the sky, specifically pink and red orbs flying in and around uh, the city environs. On the outskirts of the city, in a public park referred to as the South Park, which is <laughs> like, I already know the Russian reboot for South Park. It's just going to be this. And if you want to picture all, every, all the witnesses in this looking uh, like South Park cartoon characters, yeah, feel free. Yeah, we'll be doing that for Yeah, us. I mean, it's too late. Uh, uh, and it kind of plays out like a South Park uh, uh, episode, to be honest. Um, there were three children. 
Vasya Surin, Genya Blinov, and Julia Shokolova, they were playing in the park when they heard a strange whistling in the sky. Now, this story is really cool because it sounds a lot like the story that we did uh, last month about the that I covered about the Flatwoods Monster mm-hmm. and um, in West Virginia. But what's funny, and the thing you have to keep in mind, and one of the reasons this story is really remarkable, is that up until this point, a lot of uh, what was happening in Russia had been behind the Iron Curtain during the Cold War. And a lot of stuff, uh, American stuff, movies, pop culture, uh, didn't always make it all the way over there. Sure. So we tend to think of aliens and UFOs and flying saucers as a really big American phenomenon. Mm. And this was one of the first big stories to come out of uh, the Soviet Union that showed similarities to stories that we had, but during a time when there a lot of those stories really weren't making their way across. So it kind of builds an argument that these things are happening all over the world. It makes a lot of sense, yeah. Yeah, they're not like influenced <clears throat> by each other. Right, and it's yeah. really cool because as you'll find, as you'll see, this is a really like. Like the Flatwoods Monster, which took place in 1952, this in 1989 is another very, like, B-movie alien sci-fi encounter. So the kids heard this whistling in the sky, and they look up and they saw a pink orb hovering overhead about nine meters wide, which proceeded to fly around the park. Now, the kids claimed that they could see the grass ripple as the orb uh, moved overhead and would dive down uh, on, over the grass. They could see the grass rippling out uh, like uh, rip, ripplets in a, in a puddle when you drop a you know a rock in a, in a little thing of water. Um, and the orb flew around the park for a little bit. The kids watched it, and then it took back off into the sky. Now, the strange craft had attracted the attention of more people, and a group of about 40 to 50 locals came into the park and joined the kids that were already there. That's a lot of eyewitnesses. I know. This is what's so <laughs> insane about this. this, is, this wow. And again, this is important. This is like a mass sighting. This yeah. isn't just like a handful of people. Um, and as they all gathered around and talked about what had just happened and what they'd seen, the orb returned, and a rectangular portal opened... And the crowd watched in disbelief as a strange, strange three-eyed creature peered out, scanned the crowd, and then <laughs> slipped back inside the craft. The orb then turned from oh, pink. What the fuck! I don't want to hear anymore. Just pause on that just for a second. I gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> this guy pokes his head out and he's like, "Yep, this looks like a good place." <laughs> this it gets weirder, guys. So the orb turns from pink to deep red as the crowd stepped back and watched the craft land on the park lawn and they said three like legs came out of the orb and parked right there and made indentions in the the grass which is important later Mm. a hatch and a rampway open and the three-eyed creature walks down the ramp and out into the park now some of the details uh varied in the game of telephone between the russian press and then the st louis dispatch which would later pick up the story and in and then would later be picked up by the new york times and in some versions of this story uh there were three space creatures uh but um as we've already learned on this show a lot of times as the game of telephone uh mm-hmm. you know as the stories spread they tend to get exaggerated remember like in 
Hopkinsville when they had the little goblin encounters, the people at the time, the eyewitnesses said there were no more than uh, two ever seen at the same time. But right. by the time it hit the press, there were 12. You know, they said there were 12 or 13. And the eyewitnesses swore up and down that, nope, there were never, there were definitely no more than four that we could count. Right. <clears> Especially in least. this case, too, where you're translating languages, three eyes could have right. easely been misconstrued. Right. And, 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 and also point. when the American press picks up this story and really wants to make fun of a Russian UFO story. Of course. It yeah. can get crazy. So anyway, for the sake of um, being conservative and simplifying the story, uh, we're going to only refer to there being one giant three-eyed space creature. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be reasonable here. Yeah, I mean, if, come on. <laughs> so the monster was described as being nine feet tall, wearing a silver jumpsuit with bronze boots and a disc on his chest. He had a small dome-shaped head with two white eyes and a third red eye on what constituted his forehead and i have some pictures here i'm going to show you here's a sketch from around that time that i got off the internet of the creature guy looks dope man yeah he's like a total he looks like the jug he's kind of shaped like the juggernaut from x-men he's cool and tough um and i had another picture of him here somewhere uh here's a really cool illustration of him attacking a child uh yeah i like it the space monster was also accompanied by a small boxy robot that walked down the rampway and started moving around the park in front of all of these people. The space monster supposedly mumbled a strange phrase and a glowing rectangle, or in some stories, a glowing triangle appeared on the ground before him. As people, he was just kind of came out. He's like, he was doing tricks for these people. He's like, he literally just kind of came down and started entertaining people. I kind of think that this guy was like some weird intergalactic magician who had been <laughs> run out of his home planet and was like, just trying to find an audience. He got banned for playing three cup, you know? Yeah, exactly. So he like, he starts doing these tricks for these people. He like uh, makes a rec- glowing rectangle and it disappears and a triangle and it disappears. And then, um, um, the creature made got down on the droid and like fiddled with some buttons on the droid, and he started uh, scanning the park and walking around. And uh, then the robot returned to the craft. Now, at this point, oh, here's the other picture of this guy. This is my favorite one. He's pretty rad here. <laughs> um, he totally looks like a comic. He looks like a Jack Kirby comic book oh, character. Totally. Now, at this point, the stupefaction of the crowd was interrupted when one of the witnesses, a small boy, came to his senses and promptly screamed. And the the space monster turned towards the boy, and witnesses claim a beam of light shot from his eyes and surrounded the kid. And then suddenly, the craft, the giant, and the robot all vanished into thin air. Whoa, no liftoff, just No liftoff, just disappeared. There's a lot of vanishing in this story. Um, Like an annoying guest who doesn't know when to leave the party, the entities then rematerialized a few minutes later, and the space monster was now wielding a silver rod in his hand, which he then pointed at a different uh, teenage boy, and to the shock and awe of the crowd, the boy disappeared. The creature and the robot then got back into the craft, and the orb flew off into the sky. And then, thankfully, the teenage boy reappeared after the craft took off. 
Whoa. Just a weird. And this is an account of like 40 people watching this? This is 40 to 50 uh, people from children to adults. And one of the things that happened when the story was run in the St. Louis Dispatch, they said only kids were there. Uh, but actually, there were a bunch of adults there, and the police came to the scene and started taking uh, questions and investigating uh, the, the the park. Um, the witnesses' accounts were written down, and um, one of the witnesses was actually a police lieutenant who saw the orb fly towards the park before all of this happened. Whoa. And he's been on—I saw a video with this, uh, police, this cap, uh, police lieutenant being interviewed on Russian television, so— this was like a really big story. Um, Soviet scientists came out to the park and found evidence of the landing, uh, a depression from the landing gear in the grass, and the ground beneath the grass had been allegedly turned to stone. In some reports, it was said that the Soviet scientists retrieved strange rocks that were not of this earth. Mm. A reporter named Paul Stonehill covered the story for TASS, the Soviet Information Agency newspaper. Uh, during the investigation uh, in the story, uh, TASS also uncovered all the eyewitness accounts that we mentioned at the top of the story of strange lights in the sky and more eyewitness uh, accounts of seeing strange three-eyed giants and in some uh, boxy robots orbs and then in some cases little uh, little tiny grayish-green creatures, little men in blue robes were also seen during this time, during this whole week. Um, the fact that this was reported in the Soviet news was significant because as communism started to collapse, state control over the press um, and the media loosened, and this was one of the first UFO stories that, that came out. And, um, and it was, like I said, one of the ones that was not only reported in the Soviet media, but also then made it over to uh, the Western United States. And they think that one of the reasons this uh, story took off was because the media was suddenly having so much freedom to write about whatever they wanted about. Sure. And so they picked kind of the wildest story to see how far that they could go. Yeah. But um, the witnesses there, and they interviewed many, and you can find, you can look up this story on YouTube and you see people, they all swear up and down that this this thing took place. That's a wild story. Yeah, right? That's a good one. I've never heard that one. I've never heard that either. There's a lot of great UFO and weird creature encounters uh, that happen in Europe and in um, the East that we don't really get a lot of. And I think moving forward in the next phase of the show, I'm going to start doing some more research on some of the paranormal, international paranormal stuff. I like it. That's a good move. Yeah, Yeah, right? It's interesting, too, how these things often seem to happen around, like, major political events, like, you know, the the men that appeared around the nuclear yeah, launches. Yeah, this was months before is, the like the Berlin Wall fell. Too. Yeah, which is a huge yeah. global event. You know, and it's I don't know what we'll get into it in the next segment, but it's interesting how these sort of appearances happen yeah, around these and, major and, events. And it's weird too when you have. I mean, obviously we have so many stories of alien greys or reptilians yeah. or what they called the the Nordic aliens that are like these tall blonde dreamboats. Um, <laughs> But I totally. love the story. <laughs> totally. Show me Evanusian and I'll show you my massive heart on. Um, I think that uh, 
I, I love the stories when you get these singular type entities like the Flatwoods Monster where their descriptions are so strange and so unique or this three-eyed giant that don't seem to pop up again in popular culture mm-hmm. anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, okay, so that's the story of the Voronezh alien landing. And when we come back, we're going to ask our sci-fi author, Michael Morisi, what the hell was that? Hey, what's up, guys? This is Bryce Johnson from Bigfoot Collectors Club. Listen, if you have a paranormal story, we want to hear it. Write to BigfootCollectorsClub at gmail.com with your paranormal encounter, and we just might read it on a future episode. And we're back, Bigfoot Collectors Club, and now it's time for our segment... What the hell was that? What the hell was that? Michael Marisi, you heard the story of the Verona alien landing. I did. And Unbelievable. What's your take? What's your hot take on this? I mean, undoubtedly true. <laughs> <laughs> All right, podcast over. Yeah, great. <laughs> we just proved the existence of aliens. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, like, you know... It's weird. You get so many of these different sightings and occurrences, and we we hear it. Like, I, you know, if you watch like you know the History Channel, then it's like the um, the woman lying in bed who was frozen and paralyzed. Ooh, and tell couldn't. me more. <laughs> <laughs> wait, was... wait, wait. That was something different. Wait, wait. <laughs> <a> different channel. <laughs> that was the Spice Channel. Do they still have the Spice Channel? I don't know. I don't know. I don't probably think so. not. I think now it's uh, the it's Game just... Show Network. <laughs> they rebranded. The Spice Channel just replaced with the internet. Yeah, exa- yeah. It's, it's like the sw- Sports Illustrated Illustrated swimsuit issue is just now every magazine. <laughs> it's like Maxim and the internet it used to be special guys. It, yeah. yeah, you know, uh, misogyny used to come out only once a year. Right. The male it. gaze used to only every March get to really express itself. <laughs> now it's just everywhere you look, twenty four seven. Man, but but. We we digress. Uh, <laughs> so you were talking about a woman lying in bed on the History Channel? Well, no, but they, it'd be like the thing, and I, I'm not making this up, but she'd be like, she she told this story, and I've seen this a number of times. It could be a man lying in bed right. also, but like they'd be paralyzed, and like I couldn't move, and then they get, you know, they all of a sudden just kind of levitate toward the window, the window and be in a spaceship and this kind right. of thing. Mm-hmm. But it's always a singular point of view. It's always a singular, you know, account. And while they're all similar, like Michael mentioned, that story of like the it's been reiterated so many times is, is it because that's like the alien procedure or is it because like you saw it on the history channel? right right right, like right. that's the story <laughs> that's and, the that, story. and that's what yeah. i find is really unique about this because this um <clears throat> experience is very even though it's a ufo one it's unlike and I mean, obviously, there's similarities, like I said, to the Flatwoods monster in a sense. But it's so strange that in and it, it's so strange that it almost feels like the alien encounter itself is taking place in a foreign language. You know what I mean? Yeah. Totally. That it, that the symbology and the alien and stuff are designs that are not of our American culture, which kind of to me lends some credence. And if they weren't influenced by some of the American media. That perhaps some of these uh, instances really are affected and shaped by the people witnessing them. So, like some type of yeah. psychic phenomenon is also taking place during these encounters. Yeah. And that perhaps whatever comes out of the orb 
materializes in a way that is recognizable to the sensibility of the culture that it is um, presenting itself to. Yeah, that's yeah. a theme I think we keep returning to, which yeah. is really interesting that the, that's th- viewed through the lens of the time and the culture. Right, and I, I think I tried to bring this up before, but what's the, um, in Harry Potter, what's the name of the creature that's in the trunk, and then when it comes out, it, it takes the form of whatever you're afraid of? I know what you're talking uh, about. Uh, oh, they're in that, the class. I want to say Patronus, but it's not No, Patronus. the Patronus is the thing that they use to fight the dement, you know, oh, yeah. your, your spirit kind of <clears throat> animal that yeah. fights the, but it's that kind. It's, it's Someone like, is sitting in their car right now I know, screaming, screaming bananas. <laughs> you know what? Let's take a two-second break. Just to, we'll pause so you can scream the name at us right now. Hold on. Oh, okay. right. That's it. Okay, yeah. cool. Thank you. Sorry. Um, but it's that kind of thing where it's almost like, I don't know if the mind, it's sort of half between a hallucination and a physical. Um, yeah. I think that there's something really is making contact, but it's taking the form of something that will be. Not necessarily recognizable, but interpreted by the culture that's witnessing it. Yeah, I mean, we're, what's strange, well, there's two things that say to that. Like, one is, like, it kind of is reminiscent of uh, the Zemeckis uh, contact right. film, where it's like, right. you know, their father, you know, the alien comes in the father's form, because it's the form that you would understand. Right. right. But what's also cool, like, if you're thinking about this from, like, a cultural gaze, like we're talking about, like... There's a certain kind of like crossbreeding collective consciousness that you can like dig into because like the the I mean we can't show them but if you looked up the illustrations and, and the, we'll put uh, links in our show notes and this will be up on Instagram and Facebook as this is live so you can go hop over to our Facebook page or Instagram and see some of these pictures yeah exactly yeah so go on sorry I was just Great plug. plugging that so people could go see it <laughs> nailed it give us a like while you're over there <laughs> um, so no but like that's it it like totally rings of like Americana Silver Age sci Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, like that B-movie yeah, kind exactly. of, like, uh, the day the earth stood still kind of stuff. Right, and then, like, there's, like, a reverse thing, too, where, like, you know, like, it feels like, you know, Russia, because of whatever, you know, you know, Iron Curtain, you know, culture, stuff like that, like, are, like, 30 years behind that of America, but, like, if you look at, like, the dystopian novel, like, another, like, sci-fi thread, there's, like, a Russian novel from, like, the 20s that's called We. Um, that never, you know, made it out of Russia until, you know, years and years later, that it's, like, really, like, you can, I mean, it's almost like, you know, Orwell or something, or Huxley would have written it, but that was, like, you know, it's almost like there's this weird collective consciousness of, like, shared... Right. Shared kind of... Uh, iconography. Iconography and, and ideas. Characters and, and ideas that yeah, are happening. Yeah, totally. Well, and it's, I mean, that <clears throat> just goes back to Joseph Campbell and his... You know, uh, studying all the world myths and yeah, the monomyth. Going, yeah. yeah, the monomyth. It's it, it. All these things exist in different forms uh, all over the world throughout human history. Right. But I just I love it when you get one of these stories and it's just a weird ass dude coming out of a weird spaceship and yeah. just befuddling people. Well, you know? the, the, the fact portal. this one too that there's physical evidence left behind verified by government scientists. I mean, that's right? A, yeah, to, not to be overlooked. That's, right, right. And 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 I think that we tend to be very skeptic when we go, well, but it's but you know, Russians. Yeah, are. but it was so you know this was coming at it come hitting uh, like Time Magazine wrote a piece about it at the time and then they revisited it 25 years later and at the time uh, time magazine was kind of making fun of this and they chalked it up to just being a fake story that uh tass ran because they could because no one had control over them but mm. that doesn't explain the fact that they have uh 
the, the, this was all over the Soviet media, and there are eyewitnesses who have been interviewed and reporters who interview the eyewitnesses. And it wasn't just the story in the park. It was stories that were that whole week of seeing strange lights and stuff in the sky. So yeah. I think that the skeptic tends to go, oh, it's just a bunch of bullshit. Uh, but there's something to it when you get down, as we've learned on this podcast, when you get down to the personal level and talk to eyewitnesses and talk to people who have seen things, you know, no one can tell you, Michael, that you didn't see repeatedly some old-timey carnival barker. And, mm-hmm. you know, as weird and as strange as that is, you saw it multiple times they're, they're in the same location. Um, it's very easy for somebody else who did not have that that experience to brush it off. Right. Um, so, it, you know, we'll never know exactly what happened in that park. But uh, if you had to take a guess, what would you say happened definitively? Oh, I think it's as described, you know? I mean, I think that, like, something landed. I think something came out. And, like, you know, I mean, there's a certain degree of, like, you can chalk it up to a hoax, but I think that, like, passes that degree when you start making teenagers disappear. (laughs) 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 You know? (laughs) Yeah, and I try to find story. I try to find, like... That teenage, you know, the the problem with this story is for a second that, I thought you say you're trying to find that teenager. I try to find that teenager, <laughs> that Russian teen. It's We've more got of a, him on the line. It's more, yeah. Sergey, can you hear us? Where did you go, Sergey? For those brief moments. Um, uh, yeah, I've tried to find. I mean, what's worse is I was actually saying I was trying to find a teenage boy, uh, uh, but. Um, Really, aren't we all trying to find the teenage boy within <laughs> ourselves? Uh, but I couldn't find any um, any any a story or any interviews with that guy. So perhaps that's part of the exaggeration as the story grew. But that's the kind of thing. It's like I want to talk to that guy and find out what <clears throat> what happened and wh- what he went through when he vanished in yeah, thin air. Totally. What's your take on um, like where this? If, so this is a visitor that's come and landed. Do you think that it's someone who's traveled across the distances of space? Because that you know that presents the big problem of everything is so far apart. Or do you think it's more of like an interdimensional thing? Or is it someone who's actually from this planet to begin with and we just don't know about them? Or what's your take on that? That's a good question. And UFOs in general. <laughs> just answer all of these now. Just let us know what's going on. You're a science fiction writer. You, we know you have the answers. Okay, guys, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Okay. Just don't tell anyone else. <laughs> no are communicating with an alien species from a different planet. They're the ones giving you all the information for your stories. We want to hear about it now. Sometimes I, I want to know. <laughs> no, I mean, like, yeah, I think, like, it's it's so complicated because, like, the idea of like that that travel from vast distances is like from our viewpoint is so impossible like there's no way right. but like interdimensional travel is just as impossible um or like you know yet yet <clears throat> Not yeah. give us uh you know but I, like i always say give a species a million year jump start on us <laughs> they can figure it out it's yeah, like, it's like Grandpa always said. <laughs> it's like Grandpa always said, "You give a species a million year jump start, man. They're zooming all over this galaxy. That thing pointed a rod at me, and I ended up at a Wendy's at two a.m. up to my knees in chicken nuggets. Checks out. Checks out. You should have your grandpa on the show. Oh yeah, <laughs> my grandpa's dead. Sorry. Whoa. Oh, let's oh, try to get hey, him on the show. That would actually really help. help. <laughs> 
Oh no. <laughs> so yeah, so you think this is take it at face value. I mean, I think at the end of the day we have to take some of these stories at face value. Yeah. And whether you choose to believe it or not is up to you. Yeah. yeah. Are all the details totally right? Probably, Probably not. not. <clears throat> but something happened. Right. <laughs> like something. Something happened. And it's uh you know, uh, you look at these stories and I always think to myself, it's like, well, you know, there's 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 a thousand of these stories, you know, like of like you know, alien encounters being beamed to a ship, whatever, you know, but like, uh, it just takes one, one to be right, mm-hmm. you know, and that's it. That blows the whole thing wide open. So, so is one of them right? I think so. And I kind of like that these um, encounters sort of uh, support the idea that the aliens don't care about landing on the White House lawn. They're not interested. I know. Jeez. (laughs) If you guys wouldn't mind, though, if any of you are listening. uh, But uh, that they they're just sort of I like that they tend to interact with just everyday people. Yeah. And sort of non malevolently. Yeah. He's doing magic tricks with his. I mean, honestly, most of these stories don't have much of a they're not they don't tend to be alien attacks. Now, like I said, you could say that pointing a magic rod at somebody making them disappear is an attack, but I think it's a magic trick. I mean, that's a trick. He came back. (laughs) No one was hurt. Well, anyway, all right. Well, um, we will be back in just a moment with our final segment for the uh, episode, The Collector's Corner. Hey, guys. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Bigfoot Collectors Club and on Twitter at Bigfoot underscore C Club. And we're back and it's time for Collectors Corner. Yay. Now, Michael, uh, this is the Bigfoot Collectors Club and we always ask our guest, beyond collecting stories, what do you collect? Um, I collect, um, let's see. Star Wars figures, obviously. You're in good company. <laughs> yeah, we've shared a lot of... Yeah, uh, <laughs> we've shared some uh, shelf porn, as they call it. <laughs> we've shared some self-porn, yes. Yeah. Which Arcs. is somehow worse than real porn. <laughs> it sounds way worse, way dirtier. Yeah. Hey, Mike, look yeah. at my Black Series hair. <laughs> like, look at my Star Wars shelf. It's so beautiful. <laughs> Texting at 1 a.m. Yeah. It's like, who is that? It's like, it's it's, East, it's West Coast time. It's only 11. It's fine. <laughs> um, so no. you're in a Star Star Wars figures, you collect the vintage stuff or the new uh, Black Series 6-inch stuff? That's basically all I collect is like Black Series 6-inch. Also, <laughs> yes, right sounds on the old worse. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Lando exclusive. <laughs> no. Oh, man. Uh, so, oh, yeah. Do you so, collect old books, too? No, I, I'm not really particular about my books. Like, I, I like to have the Star Wars books in yeah. all hardcover. Um, I collect books just in general. Like, I like to have physical books. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like to collect. Um, I'm getting back into building up my RPG uh, collection. Oh, cool. Like, I, I just track down um, uh, through a friend, through 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 actually like this fan, like found out that I, how much I liked Hero Quest. Oh wow! And, and I used to have the game. I used to have that board game when I was a, when I was a kid. Uh-huh. And um, it's funny. I was telling a friend today. It's like my mom, like kept everything of my stuff. Oh, wow. That's so awesome. Good except, job, except, except oh. <laughs> like the things like the uh, Thrawn, Zahn series, mm-hmm. that's gone. My Hero Quest game, that's gone. She's got like my like 
Flintstones movie tie-in McDonald's cup. <laughs> but like, Some people really want that. Yeah, I mean, that's the, like at least $2. On so who's Good this, intention, uh, questionable taste. Yeah, exactly. Also, a quick follow-up question. Who is this uh, stalker sending you gifts? Oh, yes, he, he has to be a novice. He's a good, he's a good dude. He's I'm just teasing me. stalker. I hope you're listening, and I I, I don't mean any of that. <laughs> but no, he's, he, sent, he sent me that, so I was able to get that. I'm trying to like... Build up some RPG stuff. I'm getting back into D and D, so I'm like, oh, I gotta. Go did get. you play the old? Uh, was it West End that did the original Star Wars uh, role playing game? Was that TSR? What was no, it? Was, it, well, I think it was West End. Yeah. yeah, I've never played the original, but they re released the book recently, and I want right, to get and it. And that's where that was the first time that they actually gave character names to people to uh, the guys like Hammerhead and. Yep. Uh, uh, Walrus Man Was yep. it uh, I think Pablo Hidalgo From Lucasfilm Didn't he name all of those Or was he working for them yet I'm not sure a real deep cut guys <laughs> uh, But that was kind of cool That they suddenly gave them all All those little action figures That we had growing up Then they expand, yep. really started To expand the universe I have uh, a bunch of the um, Paperbacks from the old Star Wars EU Uh I kept, I got rid of a bunch, but then I kept the ones that had really cool painted covers, like wraparound painted covers. Nice. Because they all kind of look like that. I think even Drew Struzan did some for like the Han Solo trilogy books. Yeah. And they're just really cool. I keep them for the art because it's, it's you don't see those published anywhere else anymore. No. There's a lot of really cool old school painted art before Photoshop came out right. of awesome um Star Wars stuff, so I keep yeah. the I keep all the ones with the cool art, and then I have a hardback collection of all the newer new canon stuff. I tried tried to collect all the new canon, and now it's just gotten already too out of control. So Pretty I've much. had to yeah a lot narrow my focus. You can't be a completist anymore. No, you can't be a completist anymore, <laughs> Grandpa. <laughs> go back to heaven. Take your nuggets. <laughs> Get your nuggets. Finish those nuggets, Grandpa. <laughs> Uh, no, you can't, you know, but like, yeah, like, I mean, I love those like Star Wars, a lot of sci-fi fancy books, those like 70s and 80s, like, uh, you know, had tremendously talented artists working on them that those covers were just yeah. awesome. Did you ever read any of, um, Philip Jose Farmer, you Philip Jose Farmer fans, you ever read Tarzan Alive? No. Or, oh, dude, you've got to read those books. Really? Yeah. He's kind of one of these guys that was the first, he was writing in the... He actually had a whole other career. I think he was like a social worker for like 30 or 40 years. And then in the 60s, he started submitting to um, short story publications for science fiction. And he took off. And um, he started – he was one of the first guys that really started the shared universe concept for Victorian characters. So he took the – original Edgar Rice Burroughs Tarzan and recontextualized it as if Tarzan had been a real person and Edgar Rice Burroughs, the book that he wrote was based on that guy. Okay. So one of his first books was called Tarzan Alive where he, the author, supposedly meets the real Tarzan in a hotel in like London and he's immortal for reasons that we find out later and he interviews him about his life and about the Edgar Rice Burroughs book and what he got right and what he got wrong and it all ties into the Wold Newton universe which um actually uh alan moore borrowed heavily from for uh league of extraordinary gentlemen oh man and the wold newton universe is this awesome concept that he came up with that there were that it was based on a real meteorite that landed outside wold newton in uh the county in england and he 
wrote a story that there was a carriage passing by when the meteorite hit, and in the carriage were like Elizabeth Bennett's parents from uh, Pride and Prejudice, <clears throat> and the Gray Stokes from Tarzan, and like the guy who became the Scarlet Pimpernel, and they were all <laughs> embedded with this radiation oh that God. gave them uh, pr- like just almost superhuman abilities. And then they passed that lineage along throughout the 20th century. And he, it's really in-depth. And real. And then other people will, other writers have written in to build on the Wold Newton universe model. Okay. And some of it is more, some of it's real dry. Some of it is really just Philip Jose Farmer trying to, like, rewrite stuff to justify how it fits into his fiction, you know, into the shared universe. Okay. And it's real geeky. Uh, but but fun, and then some of them are just really cool science fiction, fantasy, pulp. You know, it's all pulp novels. Oh man, I mean, well, I'm you got to you got to check it out. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you look up for look up Wold Newton. Anything Wold Newton. Uh, um, Philip Jose Farmer. I recommend, even though some people would say don't start with this one because it's kind of a. Uh, it kind of concludes a lot of the Tarzan stuff, but Time's Last Gift is a really cool sci-fi story. Okay, great. So yeah. check that one out. I really totally recommend yeah. that one. Um, cool. Well, we're going to wrap up. Thank you so much for joining us today. I know you're very busy having a, a book uh, signing today, a Book Soup. Obviously, if you're listening to this, you missed it. It's too late. <laughs> Blew it. But where can people find Black Star Renegades and what other stuff is coming out that you want people to know about? Um, you know, you can find Black Star Renegades anywhere. You know, it's uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Kindle, Audible, you know, any you know local bookstores. Uh, so, yeah, anywhere. Um, you can find – I have the new book, Wasted Space, coming out in April. And that's with uh, Vault. That's with Comics. Vault Comics, yeah. And then uh, Blaster Rays 2 is uh, next year. Cool. And you're on Twitter, uh, Instagram. Where can people find you? Just at, at Michael Morisi. Awesome. That's uh, pretty pretty simple, I, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I forgot. I do have a collectible oh, yeah, today to share. Something, something special did. for the group. I did. <laughs> and uh, this one is sort of a cheat, but... I have my copy of Black Star <laughs> uh, Renegades, and I'm going to ask Mr. Maurice to sign for me. I have a pen too, so we'll do that after. Oh, all. we got a yeah. sharpie. We're doing this live on. Yeah, all right, oh, great. <laughs> yeah, um, Riley. While he's doing that, uh, do you have anything you want to plug for our listening audience? I'm not real heavy on the internet, but if you want to see some very artful photos of garbage, you can check out my Instagram at trashbag hashtag. That's it though. That's the Great. only social media I do. Just photos you just of garbage. take you really. I thought that was a joke. No, you it's, literally, it's take, literally photos of garbage. Yeah, that's they're nice. It's nice garbage. Yeah, it's or thoughtful, it's provocative garbage. They're nice photos of garbage. Yeah, either way. Do you ever go to like rich neighborhoods and and take pictures of rich people garbage? Rich people have the best garbage. Yeah, it's just like gold <laughs> chunks just yeah, sitting. Just, Wads of cash and <laughs> diamonds. Old money they don't need anymore that they <laughs> yeah, throw out. This money's dirty. <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, thank you so much for listening, guys. Uh, we are uh, so thankful that you're listening to the show, and we appreciate all of your likes and comments on our Facebook page, Bigfoot Collectors Co- uh, Club, and uh, Instagram. You can find us on Twitter, uh, Bigfoot underscore C Club, and. Um, Please keep listening. Keep writing in to BigfootCollectorsClub at gmail.com. We'll read your emails on our next uh, Listener Files episode, which is coming up very soon. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, thanks again to Michael. Oh, thank you Check for out his me. book, Black Star Renegades. I think you're really going to love it. If you like this show, I think you're really going to enjoy Michael's work. So please go out, support this author. He's really great. He believes in ghosts. He believes in UFOs. He's one of us. Okay, guys? <laughs> uh, Riley, thank you for stepping in in the co-captain's chair. My pleasure. Um, 
that basically meant that I'm the captain, and now I have to talk to Bryce about that. <laughs> there are two. There's not one captain. They're both co-captain chairs. You right. know, they sit next to each other at the on the bridge of our starship Bigfoot. Uh, thank you so much. We'll talk to you guys next week. Bye-bye. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their cases had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible. And if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday.